Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Welcome to Fantasy Football Today, Dynasty. I am your host, Heath Cummings, and the band is back together again. The same trio that we had the first time we debuted this podcast, before it was even its own podcast. I've got Dave Richard with me. I've got Dan Schneier with me. Dave, we were saying before we came on air, it feels like forever since you and I have been on a podcast together. I think I've gone on one vacation, just one, maybe two (laughs) since we last talked. So it's nice to be back with you. It's nice to, to get your opinions on Dynasty. They always challenge my opinions. And uh, I love helping people with their dynasty league. So awesome to be back. Thank you for having me. I've got Dan Schneier here. He's in the Baked Burger Dynasty League. Apparently has three picks every round somehow. (laughs) Has drafted almost the entire 2023 draft class, taking the exact opposite approach from me. And and we're going to talk about that draft more next week. We've actually got a special guest, Tim Stratford, coming on to talk about uh, his team and that draft We've got Sigmund Bloom coming up on August 15th. We've got a new mailbag coming tomorrow with answers from your five-star reviews. Thank you so much. You guys are, are over, overwhelming me with, with a positive feedback. Dan, it's good to talk to you, too. Yeah, it's great to be back. This is probably my favorite show to do during the week. As much as I love chopping up with Azer, I love Dynasty, and I'm starting to get even more into it. Now that, like you said, we have the Big Burger League. It's been a fun draft so far, Heath. I just got to say for the listeners, I've never done this before, and I would say suggest that anyone who does do a Dynasty startup allow trades in draft, allow trades in, in that dynasty startup draft. Cause I never had that before guys. And it's been really fun. I didn't know it was a possibility. And now basically before every pick I'm on the clock looking into trades. And I've, like you said, uh, referenced earlier, Heath, I've made a lot of trades so far, including you didn't even mention, I picked up a 2024 first. So I'm pretty excited Ooh. about that. Is Dave, that, do you have a favorite trade that you've made, Dan? Something that we could undoubtedly the trade where 
one pick before someone, I took Dalton Kincaid, and quite clearly that player really wanted Dalton Kincaid. And I'll be honest, I love Dalton Kincaid. We may talk about him on the show. I had him ranked probably 10, 15 spots higher of even where I drafted him. I'm a big believer in him, the landing spot, everything like that. But this manager really wanted Kincaid, so we got to trade talking, and he offered me a 2024 first. I came back and I said, I like it, but I want a few more picks in the middle range, which Heath referenced earlier in the show where I keep having these like three pick rounds. I had back, I set it up so I had back to back three pick rounds where I got one pick from this manager in each of these rounds. And it's in a range right now. Uh, it was started at about pick 94 through pick 120, where I still feel like there are good players to get. I feel like at some point there is going to be a big drop off in talent and it's coming pretty soon, but not quite yet. So I wanted to make sure I got a lot of picks in this range. Let me tell you, Dave, it's super annoying because Dan and Jamie both continue to make trades, both continue to refuse all of my trades because I won't just lay down and give them (laughs) 300% value. Jamie has this new thing that he's doing. I hope that it, it continues on into other leagues where he gets on the clock and then texts someone. He did this to, to Shafee T, bullied him into, into <laughs> trading for Jordan Addison. And he texts you and says, I'm going to take this guy. I know you want him. I sent you a trade offer if you want him. Did that with me last round with Sam Howell. I uh, I refused to participate. That's how I yeah, ended up with uh, Matthew yeah. Stafford and Ryan Tannehill instead, who are probably going to score more points than Sam Howell this year anyway. And and I'm playing for this year. Listen, we usually start with with some random questions, some fun conversation. We've got to get into the news and notes. Before we do that, I, I've got a guy, Dave, and we're going to flash it up. If you're watching on YouTube, you'll see it. We'll tell you the question. Heath, can you go over anti-tanking guidelines and the oh. repercussions, please, Real quick, I've got a guy in my league already letting us know he's going to be tanking this season, says he's not going to win a game. That really bothers some people. When we set this league up before we ever had a draft pick made, there was conversation about how are we going to prevent tanking or how are we going to handle tanking? I'll give my thoughts on it. And I think John Bosch is even more open-handed with it than I am. He basically just says, it's your team. If you want to lose, lose. It's in your best interest for next year. I don't care what you do. I am a little bit little bit stronger um, in that I think if you have someone who is playing, you should not be able to start someone who is not. In other words, let's say Anthony Richardson starts week one. You have Anthony Richardson and Gardner Minshew are your only quarterbacks. I'm not okay with you starting Gardner Minshew. You have a running back who is playing, and your only other running back that you could fill in for him is already ruled out. I'm not okay with you playing the guy who's ruled out. But two years ago, I tanked my pants off, and I was starting Davis Mills over Patrick Mahomes. (laughs) Davis Mills was playing, and it was absolutely perfectly fine in my mind. If you're playing someone who is playing, and also I would say this, like if you have guys on a buy, you're under no obligation to go make a waiver wire ad to replace them. No way. But if you have someone on the buy and you have a player on your bench who's playing, you do have to play the guy who's playing. That's how it should be. Now let's talk about the punishment if you don't do that. If you start players who are on injured reserve or on buy and you do too much of it, I think your draft pick should automatically move to the end of the round Whoa. every round. I I think the in my opinion that's 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 harsh and it's that's easier harsh. easier for the commissioner as the commissioner it's uh, my thought is that the commissioner should just put the their starters in their lineup for them and if they would Well won, now you're setting somebody else's lineup that's so much more work. It is. I'm not, if when I commission a league I try to do as little work as possible because mm. I'm lazy. 
<laughs> so this is just this is just the solution to me. If you want to go ahead and break the tanking rules, I'm going to break your chances. Okay, of so rebuilding. Dave, I think like we our the Dynasty League you and I play in together. That Dan's in now as well. Mister, he is Mister Tank Thomas. We'll start calling him. Yeah. Um, it's not good. No, it, there are multiple people in that league who start guys who aren't playing, not because they're tanking, just because they're not paying attention. <laughs> so how do you balance? And I would assume everyone else deals with people like that in their leagues as well. So and that happens to everybody where you might forget to set a lineup or something like that. It, it's Bush League, but it does happen, man. So like, how do you balance? Sometimes. Your punishment with that because not every because not everybody in their starting lineup is like that. So they might accidentally start a guy in their flex on bye, but they're still starting Jalen Hurts at quarterback or Stephon Diggs at wide receiver. They're clearly not trying to score zero points that week. They just forgot to make a lineup change. I think there's a difference that people can see. Okay, we're gonna I'm, move through it. Dan, you've got something different than that, or you just agree with everything we said? I'm mostly along the lines. I've seen it done in one other way. I just wanted to bring up in case people are interested in using that way. One way that I've seen one commissioner do it in my one of my dynasty leagues is he takes so it doesn't even matter about lineup setting. Your draft order is determined by your best ball score each uh, overall at the end of the season. So it takes your best possible lineup combination each week, no matter what your lineup actually is spits out the points and then the order is determined based on that and only certain I, sites make that available right, right right and i personally don't like that one either i just wanted to put out there in case people are thinking about using it because i think like Heath says he i feel like you have like a nice hybrid to it Heath. like right. you can you can you can do it both ways i mean we talked about gardner ranch already let's just do it one more time yeah this is exactly <laughs> what jacksonville did to get trevor lawrence and the the Texans were too foolish, but Jacksonville, Gardner Minshew, they didn't want him playing quarterback. They, they'd start Nick Foles. They started Jake Luton, maybe. Like they were, they were starting all kinds of guys because they were trying to be worse. It's okay. I understand people like the potential points as well. I pretty much just think it's your team. If you can justify that you are doing something for the purpose of your team, whether it's this year or in the future, I am fine with your doing with doing you doing it. We we have a lot of news. I'm going to go just uh, one analyst at a time on this news. We won't have time for everybody to chime in on everything, Dave. I'm going to start with you on Jonathan Taylor. So he wanted to get paid. His owner um, went on Twitter and basically said, I'm never paying him and no one would care if he disappeared from the face of the earth. <laughs> Jonathan Taylor requested a trade. Um, his owner or someone else leaked to a member of the media that they were going to put him on NFI and not pay him at all. He's Jonathan Taylor said he has no back problem. And there was a video of him walking as if he either has a back problem or his ankle really hurts, or he just wants to look like he shouldn't be practicing because he doesn't want to practice. How nervous are you about Jonathan Taylor for this year? And then how much does that impact how you view him in Dynasty? I'm not that nervous about him this year because he he can't. His contract tolls if he doesn't play. And what that means is that if the year basically doesn't count. So he's another year away from free agency uh, if he does not play this season. It's different if he's on the pup list and then he doesn't play the season. He gets paid for that and the contract does not toll. Ultimately, I think he's going to play. And I think he's going to play for Indianapolis because I don't see another team trading good enough capital to get Jonathan Taylor and then paying Jonathan Taylor to be a top five running back for the next several years. So he's going to play. He'll be, he'll be good. Um, but 
he's not 100% after he had surgery in January for a high ankle sprain. That makes me a little skeptical, and I wonder if the back is part of it. Jamie suggested on HQ that people should try and buy him in Dynasty right now, and then he suggested offer a second-round pick or a couple of second-round picks. And I just don't see anybody that has Jonathan Taylor on their team giving him up for even one first-round pick unless it's a very early first-round pick. Would you even think about giving up Taylor for second overall in a rookie draft this year? No. I I don't think you do it. I don't think you do it. You do it for the 101, but not for the 102. So you've got to be patient with Taylor. And I would say be patient with Taylor for 2023 as well. Still a really good running back when he does play. As long as he gets a couple weeks worth of practice in, he'll be good to go. Candidate for 1,300 total yards, maybe eight touchdowns this year in Indianapolis. Dan, more running back news. Ken Walker has a groin injury. Zach Charbonnet has a shoulder injury. Should we think about Kenny McIntosh? And like, how do you feel about this backfield right now? It's obviously bad for Charbonnet being the rookie and not getting the camp experience, but for Walker, I feel like his upside's already capped by the fact that Charbonnet's there, and now the floor's in danger because of a groin injury. Yeah, you nailed it. I've already been concerned about Walker. Um, as far as Charbonnet goes, we don't really know. It's Apparently, it's nothing that happened in practice. It's just a shoulder that's been bothering him for a while, but he got the weird indefinite tag from Pete Carroll, who mm-hmm. is typically like overly optimistic about player injuries and players coming back, and he was cryptic about both of these as far as Kenny McIntosh goes I do think he's worth considering I watched a lot of McIntosh's film trying to figure out what he was uh in this class he reminds me kind of kind of reminds me a little bit of what they were going for when they targeted DJ Dallas it didn't work out with DJ Dallas but I see the idea of what that could be a very shifty back who could potentially be a weapon in space I don't think he's a great receiver but I think he's a good receiver in space if that makes sense they can design stuff for him but ultimately that role doesn't have much of a seal either in my opinion even if Charbonnet and Walker are out indefinitely and let's say it lingers into the season for both of them or they re-injure themselves and they miss a lot of time I can't ever really see McIntosh handling too big of a workload there I think they would bring somebody in so that's kind of where I'm at with him Heath, I know you said you only wanted one analyst I just want to get in here on McIntosh he's a South Florida kid good pass catcher uh, if he can learn how to run one cut and gain his vision a little bit he could be a factor in this offense Okay, Dan, we're going back to you. Dalvin Cook left New York. No, no, go back to Dave for this news. I want, I want to hit the Giants one, and I'm, I'm looking at, okay. evens, I'm looking at evens and odds here, and I want, to, <laughs> I want to stay on the timeline where I get the Giants one. So, Dave, contrary to reports, before Dalvin Cook went to the Jets, they did not make sure that he signed before he left. I don't feel like anybody's all that close to signing Dalvin Cook, but are you worried at all about Brees Hall? Yeah. Where do you think Dalvin Cook's going to go? I have no idea where Dalvin Cook's going to go. I don't think he's been offered the type of money that he really wants. Somebody eventually is going to need a running back, and it might be one of the AFC East teams that he's visited, or it might end up being a team that we're not even thinking about where a running back goes down, Dalvin Cook's available, they'll pay him what he wants, and he goes out there. I have no doubt that Dalvin Cook will play somewhere this season, but it's hard to imagine him having uh, a huge workload like we we're used to seeing him and I can't say that he's going to be dynamic when he does get on the field. Do you see a significant difference in dynasty between him, Leonard Fournette, Kareem Hunt, and Zeke? I think he'll play. So I don't know if I can say that for the other running backs that you mentioned. So yeah, there's a difference. 
Tim Patrick feared to have torn his Achilles, Dan. Just a terrible thing for a guy who can't stay healthy. Another Broncos wide receiver who has not been able to stay healthy, K.J. Hamler, has a heart condition that does not sound like is... I mean, all heart conditions are serious, but this one does. It sounds like they've figured out what's go- going on, and he's going to be okay. But this Broncos wide receiver core, which was sudden, was looking very, very deep, suddenly not as deep. Now it's Jerry Judy, it's Cortland Sutton, it's maybe Marvin Mims or Marquez Callaway. How are you feeling about this opportunity for Mims? I'm excited about it. Mims comes into the NFL with a really good production profile, bad quarterback play at the collegiate level that held him back, and you know prevented him in my mind from being a potential borderline first round, second round type pick also really good speed, but he also comes in with similar concerns to a Jalen Hyatt play strength. Didn't really face much press man coverage. We'll see if all that works. My biggest concern right now with Mims in the, in, in the immediate, less so the long-term, is is he going to be used in the burner role in that Sean Payton offense? Every Sean Payton offense through time has the burner role. Devry Henderson, you can go back through time and look at every version of Devry Henderson. And that role is essentially, and it's genius, I don't know why a lot of coordinators don't do this, but that role is essentially to run vertical routes on such a consistent basis when you're on the field that your main goal is to just create that middle of the space, that open field in the middle right there to have other routes. So if maybe it's like a dagger concept where you have the one guy running the post, the other guy coming on the deep over. The objective there is for the deep over to hit for the quarterback to look for the deep over, not the vertical route there. And I think Mims is going to probably play a lot of that role with Judy and Sutton running the routes that where where the ball is designed to go. So I don't really see immediate fantasy success even once he moves into a more prominent role with the first team offense and camp getting all those reps. But long term, I do like Mims. Andrew here says it's better for Judy than Mims. That might be right because his target share has been quite a bit better when Patrick has not been available, which has been most of the time lately. Dave, JSN putting on a show for the Seahawks. He's becoming quickly the buzz guy in fantasy because of what the highlights have been. And you you pair what he's been doing with what's going on with the running backs, and you kind of come to the conclusion that the Seahawks might find themselves as one of the pass-heaviest teams in the NFL. And you'd say, well, Pete Carroll's never done anything like that. Think about the moves they made this offseason. Think about the draft. The two running backs they drafted, good pass-catching running backs. JSN with their first-round pick, that was a surprise. I think this is where they want to go. I think they're confident in Geno Smith. It's making me look harder and harder at Geno Smith. One of the things I did, I did an exercise. What happens if Joe Burrow misses the first couple weeks of the season? Which quarterback has a great schedule? Geno popped right up. I love his schedule to begin the year. That makes him... Almost a priority pick if I take Joe Burrow. I wonder if Geno can actually finish as a top 10 quarterback again. And I think that Smith and Jigba, I think he's going to get pushed up too high in redraft because he's still sharing. I don't see a path for him to be a dominant fantasy receiver with DK and Lockett both healthy. But I I do see him in Dynasty, and I saw it even before training camp started, as him being a very, very good and very talented wide receiver. It's why he's third in my rankings in my rookie-only draft uh, list. He's ahead of every other wide receiver. Would love to have him on my team in Dynasty. We'll talk about that later. I've made that switch again. I've gone back and forth on those two, JSN and Jordan Addison, all summer long. May go back and forth again throughout the season, but yeah, I agree. JSN, wide receiver one right now. I do. I've moved him up to round seven in redraft. I agree mostly that he's probably not going to be a dominant wide receiver if both those guys stay healthy. But if one of those guys gets hurt, or 
I do think by the end of the year, he might just be the best wide receiver on the team because I do think his upside is greater than that of DK Metcalf. So I wonder if second half, he's the wide receiver one. All right, Dan, this is what you've been waiting for. Sterling Shepard <laughs> off the pup. No no offense to Jamison Crowder. He's also off the pup. Yes. Uh, Wandale Robinson is still on the pup, right? Yep. So yep. there's still one more final part of slot Tron for them to put together once once he uh, once he comes off the pup. But make sense of this Giants wide receiver core, and, and do any of them actually matter? So I think they do. So I'm going to give you through the first five practices, the target totals from Daniel Jones in 11 on 11 drills. So these are the drills that basically do their best to mimic what you'll actually see in a game. We have Darren, Darren Waller up top with 10, Darius Slayton, nine, Paris Campbell, eight. The next highest receiver is Isaiah Hodgins with four. So I think you're really starting to see both Slayton and Campbell become big targets for the Giants within this offense. Slayton makes a lot of sense to me. He was a lot better on film than people realize. Closer to a thousand yard season than people realize. Just didn't really get that opportunity early in the season, then latched on late and became a big part of it. I think Slayton will be the number one receiver to own in this offense, but it's interesting to see. Paris Campbell start to really get up and already build that rapport with Daniel Jones had a really nice red zone route yesterday where he caught a touchdown in 11 on 11s, eight targets right up there with Darius Slayton. So those are the two guys I have my eye on early right there, Slayton Campbell. So I do. I think that's interesting because Campbell presumably playing the Sterling Shepard role. Well, Campbell's been playing a little more on the outside. So I want to bring that up. He's been lining up everywhere. Yeah, he's been lining up everywhere properly. So you think Sterling Shepard's healthy week one. He's not first or second amongst wide receivers and targets because when he's been healthy throughout his career with Daniel Jones, he has been the Daniel Jones guy. Yes, that's the only caveat here. Shepard, like you just mentioned, just coming off the pup, only had one practice and took a day off as a maintenance day as they're trying to bring him along slowly. It's going to change when Shepard's back in the mix. Like you said, he has the best rapport with Daniel Jones. It dates all the way back to 2019. And even last year in week one, they had a nice rapport before Shepard got injured. So I think... Maybe I, I, I rein it back a little. My only my only problem with uh, you know suggesting to the audience now to think about Shepard in the light that I just mentioned, Slayton and Campbell is the injury history is there and it's obvious and it's lower body over and over and over again and Achilles and an ACL and back back years. Are you talking about Shepard or Campbell now? Shepard. Well, okay. yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Could be any of them. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Dave. Zach Moss broke his arm apparently out for approximately the next six weeks. Does Evan Hole matter? Should he be a late-round rookie pick? I A late-round rookie pick, he absolutely was that before. A late-round pick in redraft, we just finished our first pick-by-pick mock. I took him with my very last pick. It was round 14. We didn't draft kickers. We didn't draft DSTs, just players for 14 rounds. It's a throwaway pick in case he ends up outproducing Deion Jackson. And if Jonathan Taylor isn't there for the start of the regular season. He was kind of fun to watch at Northwestern. Yes. Good pass catching running back. Um, doesn't he, he isn't like a, like a huge guy, but he plays kind of big. He's fun. And I could see him being on that Colts roster as a, as a quality backup for several years. And if there's no Jonathan Taylor to begin the season, um, I would imagine that he would get some significant playing time along with Jackson. But I also would imagine that the Colts would actually sign a running back uh, it, if if there if there is if there really is 
no John the Tower, I think there's like a 4% chance of that happening. And I know we said one analyst part, but I want to throw a little more smoke on Hole. Please, his, please. His I, film, I really like that in Northwestern. He does one thing immediately that gets you on the football field. He can protect the passer, and that can get you on the field right away as a running back. He's surprisingly good, like Dave said, in the passing game. I almost see him as like a not as physical version of a James Conner type. That's what I kind of see when I watch mm. that film. Upright mm. runner, maybe more of a DeMarco Murray, less juice, but definitely someone interesting. I, I think he is physical. Uh, I love yeah. his lateral agility. Uh, his, he just he doesn't have consistent burst. Um, I have a sometimes hard time. it feels like he's slow to like process what he's seeing. He needs to work on on his vision, and he'll never have that an instantaneous speed. Right. I, I have a hard time getting excited about pass catching skills when Anthony Richardson is your quarterback and Shane Steichen's running the offense. Yes. Steichen's offense last two years, by far the lowest in targets to running backs. That's true. Three years ago, three years ago in LA with the chargers, he threw to his running backs quite a bit. Yeah. He had Justin Herbert and not Jalen hurts or Anthony Richardson. Um, Yeah. So that that's, we got one more news item here. We talked about the giants. So we have to talk about the chiefs, Dan Pete Sweeney of airhead pride says that an Eric Prince's spot on the roster should be written in ink. He would be RB4 for this team. We can't stop hearing about Richie James yeah. and Justin Ross. So two things. One, do you know, have any thoughts on Prince? And two, how rare would it be for a team to carry four running backs and seven wide receivers on the roster? My thoughts on Prince are exactly what you just said second there. Heath, it, it's not going to happen. The Chiefs are not keeping 11 running backs and receivers on this roster. They can't afford to do it, I don't think. I don't think any team can really afford to go that deep. If they ha- Do they have a history of keeping four backs? I can't say I know that, Heath. You well, they have that. a history of having a fullback, and they will not this right. year. Right, and they won't this year, so maybe they can look to that. The problem is that fullback is is playing on special teams. I it's it, It'll come down to can Prince play special teams for them, um, and if he can't factor into special teams, I don't think he has a roster spot. And I don't know that you can hide him or Justin Ross after all this smoke on oh, the yeah. practice squad. So it's the, no, the, chance. no chance for Justin be. Ross. Yeah, it, man, we should have done a Chiefs wide receiver depth. Can I do a hot take? Yeah, does. we really should. Man, one hot take I have is it, it's getting awfully close for me. Who I'd rather have Justin Ross or Kadarius Tony moving forward? Oh, wow. Well, you are like the <laughs> biggest anti-Kadarius Tony. Like, oh, you saw. No, I'm only that- leaning into it this hard, Heath, because of your initial reaction to where you thought I was at with it at the beginning of this months, year, maybe hundreds of I don't know how many dozens of months back. Oh. You're like, oh my god, Dan's so anti-Tony, so bitter about this situation. I mean, I know Kadarius is injury prone. Do you know the history of Justin? <laughs> I know. I know. It's mostly it's it's like mostly a joke, but at the same time, I don't know. I don't really have too much faith in Tony in long term as a dynasty yeah, asset. I think they all make the roster. Yeah, they, they make they make carry seven plays more. Sounds like Ricky, Richie James is pretty much locked in as the punt returner, and yep. everybody yep. loves him as a number five or six wide receiver. He's he's just kind of locked into that. Kadarius Tony got hurt. Okay, there's Richie James. That's, and let me say this: if he gets actual playing time this year on offense, Heath, you guys are gonna and Dave, you guys are gonna be surprised at how productive James can be in that offense. He gets yeah. open underneath fast often. I was told I, I want to say it was like week four, week five. Go get Richie James, and I told everybody that I knew. All right, let's see how this works out. Richie James, the deep sleeper in the middle of the season. And he was terrible. (laughs) And then late in the year, he kind of broke out with the Giants. They needed him. He came through. He makes mistakes. Like, I I wonder if there's going to be a mistake or two that costs him. Sky Moore can play that slot role pretty well if they wanted him to. 
He played almost 50% of his snaps in the slot last year. Okay, that's enough Giants and Chiefs. We are going to get to my updated rookie rankings. Dave and Dan are going to tear me apart over Dalton Kincaid in the (laughs) next 30 minutes. They can't wait. We'll be back right after this break. Please smash the like button. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. We are back. I have updated my Superflex rookie-only rankings and here's the thing. I have updated all of my rookie-only rankings. We're going to talk about the Superflex version right now. Top three are still the same. Bijan Robinson, Anthony Richardson, Jameer Gibbs. I've got Bryce Young and CJ Stroud right behind them. JSN is the top wide receiver is number six in Superflex. Then it goes Jordan Addison, Zay Flowers, Quinton Johnston, Jonathan Mingo, Zach Charbonnet, and Devon A. Chain. How do I do on that name, Dave? That's perfect. Devon A-Chain. Devon A-Chain. So the first thing, we kind of already talked about this. Um, now let's start with Dalton Kincaid. Dan, you you get to start. Dave can go second. But you were just saying how much you love Dalton Kincaid. I, I said this in May. I'm not, I just don't think I'm drafting rookie tight ends in the first round of rookie-only drafts. I don't believe that Dalton Kincaid is going to be a full-time slot receiver and earn 100 targets, and I think he's going to be cheaper in 18 months. I don't hate the idea of trying to buy him in 18 months. My only issue with that is I've done this a lot in Dynasty where I've tried to play the market perfect kind of in that sense, like you just brought up, Heath, where you're like, I love this guy, but I know these factors are going to lead to a slow start, so let's buy him then. And then when you get to that point of trying to buy the player, the manager is coming back to you with, well, am I really going to sell him now at his lowest? And the answer is typically no, and they they almost never do because, or, and and maybe you can kind of craft your own trade and and give them more than the expectation time, but it seems to not work out. So I want to get these players before before any of that. I'm not going to pl- try to perfectly play the market. And for me with Kincaid, what you need here is for sure an outlier. You're right, Heath. 
buying in a first round tight end, even in dynasty, obviously in redraft, that we know how, how poor that's been, even in dynasty has been great, but I think he can and will be that outlier. And I know that's a crazy thing to say because you're banking on an outlier, but things that he has that other tight ends who have failed in the past don't have is one. Josh Allen as his quarterback for a minimum of five years. That is an incredible thing to have, an elite passer as your quarterback for five years in Dynasty. Two, Gabe Davis will hit free agency this offseason. Very unlikely to be re-signed. They have cap issues, the Bills. They do not have enough cap space to add a second receiver in a big contract, considering the wide receiver market. So now we have a potential for right away, year two, Dalton Gay getting the second most targets on the roster on a Josh Allen-led offense. And then three, he has the film to back it up. You watch him on tape, and he looks like a wide receiver out there, just a bigger version of one. Someone who gets open in the middle of the field. Someone who understands spatial awareness, how to beat zone coverage, where to sit. And then after the catch, he's really interesting player. Player. He's kind of reminds me of like a Zach, you know, he's had the comparison to Zach Ertz. I kind of see it, but guy is so much more juice than Zach Ertz. I don't really love the comparison. He's better. He's a bigger weapon with more upside after the catch. So when those three factors are working for me, elite quarterback, potential path towards number two targets in year two or towards second most targets in year two and the tape to back it up. It's a player I love in dynasty. And I think that the people who draft Kincaid are going to think just like Dan. And they're hoping that he breaks through. It might not happen as a rookie. It might not happen. It certainly might not happen in the first four weeks of his rookie year. But they'll be patient. And so if you're going to wait 18 months to trade for Dalton Kincaid, at minimum, you're going to have to give up whatever the person who initially drafted Kincaid gave up to get him. So if it was seventh overall in the rookie draft, that's where your first offer has to be. You cannot go to him and say, I'm going to give you a second round pick for Kincaid before his second season or in the middle of his second season and expect to get that deal done unless he's absolutely sucked and or he's gotten significantly hurt. Yeah, I just and maybe that's true, but I don't feel like Kyle Pitts doesn't cost as much as he did. Have you tried to acquire Kyle Pitts? It's really hard to acquire Kyle Pitts. I mean, he was no like one who drafted first Kyle round Pitts is giving him up startup for... pick. I just he was just drafted at, at like pick thirty seven in our startup. No one used to be a take top twelve a second pick. round rookie pick for me. Oh, not a second round rookie pick. He was one oh one value to to people. Well, not well. We're also talking about a super flex league for our league for big right. Players. Yeah. But, you know, no, I agree. Nobody's going to take a second round rookie pick for Kyle Pitts, who was in the 101 discussion. Right. But I do think people might take a late first for Kyle Pitts now. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. They might. Um, they almost certainly will after this year. But your thought would maybe be you can trade a late or, or mid two or something for Kincaid next offseason. Right. And that's that's okay. the other. The, I think that's the problem. Like, I'm not actually that convinced. And that's what I wonder from you guys. Do you think that Dalton Kincaid could get into the Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey range of tight end production? Or are you thinking this guy might might be TJ Hawkinson, Dallas Goddard? Because if it's TJ Hawkinson, Dallas Goddard, I just like, if that's what I might miss out on, but I'm giving up a first round pick for it. I'm okay with that. So I'm I'm more in the first tier. Obviously not Travis Kelsey. That's Hall of Fame tier. But like maybe uh, and he doesn't have a similar profile to Mark Andrews. But again, just like from a production standpoint, I do think that because he he can get open in the intermediate range really easily, and he has after the catch ability. And then Josh Allen attached him for at least five years. I'd argue that he's got a better profile than Mark Andrews because he's a full time pass catcher. He's not yeah, a blocker. Um, and Andrews runs a ton of routes too. So it's not like it's really that big of a difference. The, the the argument against Kincaid, honestly, is this. If he struggles this year, 
and then next year he begins to play and he really doesn't break out, he'll be 20. Yeah. Five years old. He is by old. Halloween right. next year, and so right. you almost need to see. You know what? You might not want to trade for Dalton <laughs> eighteen months from now if he doesn't get the job done. I, I think if you need a tight end in your dynasty league, you want somebody who's a difference maker. I, I personally felt like Kincaid was the fifth best pass catcher in this draft, and I think that's what Buffalo saw too. And next year could be that year for him where we see as a rookie he he has some breakout games. But next year, he could really be just an absolute smash at tight end because there's no Gabe Davis there. I think he's their Gabe Davis replacement plus in that offense going into next year. I think, too. Okay, Dan, we'll move on to question number two. I knew that nobody would really like where I had Kincaid ranked, and we will, yeah. when we get to 13 through 24, we'll, you guys will probably poo-poo on it again. But JSN versus Jordan Addison, I've gone back – on uh, back and forth on this, Dan, Dave kind of already talked about how he's feeling about JSN. Do you think like Addison's putting together some highlights as well? He, he is unbelievable as a route runner. I'm not sure how anybody's going to cover him with Justin Jefferson on the other side of the field. Do you think that both of these guys could be big time risers in terms of overall dynasty rankings, Dan? Could these both be top 12 dynasty wide receivers soon? I definitely think both these guys are going to be big risers. I have an opinion on which one I would prefer to have, but as far as if they're going to rise or not, I think both are on the trajectory. Both will cost a lot more next year than they cost now. For me, short term, I think Addison might be a little bit more productive in fantasy given the situation you reference, Heath, playing across from Justin Jefferson, which he'll get for five years at least. But long term, I do like Jackson Smith and Jigba a lot better. I like him much better as a prospect on paper, uh, not just on paper, on tape. I think he's his ability to separate in the slot is uncanny and it's Probably, I mean, you look at how he ran that three cone drill. It was in the elite range of Wes Welker and, and those types of slot receivers. Yet he's a much bigger player. And in my opinion, he has a bigger catch radius as well. So I think he's just kind of a unique prospect versus an Addison to me. He threw on film was not very unique prospect. I liked his pit film better than I liked his USC tape. I think ultimately he played a little outside in college. He's not going to be a great outside receiver in the NFL, probably more of a slot guy and just not as much of a unique player. So to me, JSN is the be- much better long-term play for Dynasty. But early on, Addison has the better situation. So will we look at this next year like it costs less to get JSN than it does Addison? Should I have played it that way? And that kind of goes back to the first question with Kincaid as, as far as like when you want to buy in on these players. Dave, and another duo of wide receivers I've gone back and forth on, Zay Flowers and Quinton Johnston. Um, I don't know how many times I've flipped these guys, but for now I have Zay Flowers at the top again. Reports that he looks like the best wide receiver in Baltimore. I kind of expect him to be the number one wide receiver in Baltimore. Me too. Um, Quinton Johnston, it's it's a combination of him high-pointing balls and tweets about his drops, which is probably <laughs> what his season's going to be as well. Do you, do you have a strong feeling on Flowers versus Johnston this year or long-term? I I have Flowers over Johnston both this year and long term, but it it's not a big gap between them. And if you prefer Johnston because you know that Justin Herbert's going to be his quarterback for the foreseeable future, then I get it and you can go with him. But I like that Zay Flowers is just uh, you know, we talked about Addison and how tough he is to cover. Same thing with Zay Flowers. We've been talking about it literally for the last four months about how well Zay Flowers can separate, how he can beat double coverage. I, I wish that Lamar was a little bit more of an accurate passer on throws of 15 plus yards downfield. 
We've seen him not connect consistently with these types of wide receivers in that range. But I also think that Zay Flowers is the perfect type of receiver that can catch a pass, make a guy miss, and then skid to the end zone. We saw that from Bateman on a play last year against Miami. More of that in this offense, please. And the direction that this offense is going in, where they want to throw more and they want to make it easy on Lamar to make those throws, it's going to be that spread. I think that's going to help Zay Flowers as well. I think he's the one that I'd rather put my chips on, even though he's a year older than Quentin Johnston. Dan, when you look at these bottom three, and I know you'd have Kincaid over all three of these guys, but Jonathan Mingo, Zach Charbonnet, Devon A-Chain, which one should not be in the top 12? And how do you feel about A-Chain versus Charbonnet? Well, I might not have Kincaid over Charbonnet. That one would be close to me. The one who should not be in the top 12 for me is Jonathan Mingo. I think he's been propped up in Dynasty rankings a little too high based on landing spot. The actual film is, is okay at best, I felt like. I, he was not a receiver in this class who I liked. I tried, to, I tried to come on to him at the end. People you know, make the A.J. Brown comparisons, but I don't think he's nearly as physical uh, as Brown. And that's especially true, not like in the middle of the route, but like right off the line of scrimmage when you need to create separation. That's something AJ Brown does really a good job of using his body and his body strength to do. I felt like Mingo wasn't as good at that. And I don't think he has the same kind of vertical ability as an AJ Brown type. So I just didn't really love him as a prospect. I felt like once he got drafted to Carolina and we saw all the hype about, you know, like Steve Smith told them to draft him and all that stuff. And they don't really have any number, you know, true weapons around him at receiver that people are too worried about. On that depth chart, people propped him up, but for me, I just I didn't love him. And as far as Charbonnet versus A Chain, I really like both, so it's hard for me to really. I have Charbonnet a bit higher, but A Chain's one of those guys who people give him the profile of this is just a speed back. But when you really look at him, he plays a lot. He he wins in between the tackles more than anyone you more than most people would expect for a player his size, and. Before the draft, I did say this to Adam, and Adam wouldn't let me talk about this Heath on FFD. He's like, no, A-Chain's going to be a career punt returner. You can't bring him up. But I said, if I can think of one perfect fit from a system standpoint, it's Devin A-Chain in that zone one-cut zone blocking team in Miami. It's the perfect schematic fit, A-Chain in that blocking team. So I have to get excited about that. Okay, Dave, I've put this off for as long as possible because we're going to flip over to the uh, the round to the 13 through 24 in the Superflex rankings. And this is where my rankings kind of diverge from, I think, most other people's. This happens about round three or four in our redraft drafts as well. We're going to see some stuff people don't disagree don't agree with. I'm looking forward to reading the chat and splashing some of those up there. But the first one, I think Will Levis is really hard in a Superflex league rookie only draft to rank because (laughs) if he becomes a starting quarterback and gets to do that for two or three years, then he's worth at least a second round pick and he might be worth a first round pick. It's I, it's hard to acquire Jared Goff or Geno Smith right now in a super flex league without giving up a rookie first round pick. Do you think Will Levis gets a chance next year or is he Malik Willis 2.0? I don't think he's Malik Willis 2.0. I think he's better than Malik Willis. I think a a long way on that won't be something we'll be privy to. The Titans will see him practice for a year, and they might even get him on the field if their season bottoms out a little early, and of course if Ryan Tannehill gets hurt. If they like what they see, he's absolutely their replacement. And if not, the draft capital that they invested in him isn't so bad that they can't go out and find another quarterback in 2024 or later. I, I think your rationale makes sense in a super flex. It's way different in a one QB league, but in a super flex league, you've got to take that chance, especially if your quarterbacks are veteran guys right now. If you're starting the likes of Stafford, Rogers, um, 
other older quarterbacks that are in the league. You you need something that might be able to help you down the line. And Levis is a good blend of runner and thrower. Uh, his accuracy needs to get better. He's a lot like Anthony Richardson in that regard. And I think he has to build some confidence. And if he trusts his eyes a little bit more, I think he can be a pretty good quarterback in this league. I asked you about that because I know Dan not on the Will Levis fan club page. Actually, I think he is. There's a big red X through his face. They all hate him. Dan, one thing that happened from May until now is the NFL's made it even more clear how little they value running backs. And it made me a little gun shy. Like the, I, the one big change is that wide receivers moved up my dynasty rookie rankings, running backs, particularly running backs who aren't going to be starting this year. And I don't think you're going to be starting next year moved down. So I want to look at these wide receivers and then we will get to the running backs. But I've got Josh Downs, Marvin Mims, Tank Dell, Jaden Reed, Michael Wilson, all in this round two range. Who's your favorite of these guys? Is there anybody I, I'm way too high or way too low on? Um, I don't think there's anyone you're way too high or way too low on. You didn't mention one, uh, Jalen Hyatt, who's having a really good camp so far with the Giants, but I mean, all these guys are, I'm sure. I would say who my highest on of those that you may mention would probably be Marvin Mims. I talked a bit earlier. I really liked his production profile. I like the fact that he had was, in my opinion, held back by bad quarterback play. I always like to look for those spots in fantasy football, um, you know, ch- trying to kind of separate the player from from the product uh, from the production via the quarterback. And overall, I think the landing spot's pretty solid there. I don't think it'll happen right away. Probably be highest on Marvin Mims of that bunch, though. But as a sleeper, I do like Tank Dell a lot. I I know he's got the size issues heading into the NFL, and people have already made the comparisons like, is this just Tavon Austin? But when you watch him on tape at Houston, he plays so much tougher than Tavon Austin ever did. He ran such a wide variety of routes. Like he ran the full route tree there for a five foot eight receiver, which is so hard to imagine. And one on all three levels, the intermediate, the short passing game and the vertical passing game. So he just felt like such a complete player on film tank Dell. Um, and obviously has an opportunity to maybe be the number one there in that with that situation in Houston. So I'd say those are the two guys I have circled here. Mims and Dell Stroud loves them. Yep. They, they were connecting like in between day one and day two of the NFL draft. Stroud almost requested him. The Texans obliged. And there have been some great reports out of Houston. Where's Rasheed Rice for you? Ethan? He will be on. And I, and I, you know, I, I realized I was catering to the YouTube audience more so than the podcast audience. Cause I do need to read off these names for my uh, 13 through 24. It goes, Will Levis, Josh Downs, Marvin Mims, Tajay Spears, Jalen Hyatt, Dalton Kincaid, Tank Dell, Kendry Miller, Jaden Reed, Roshan Johnson, Tank Bigsby, and Michael Wilson. I know we're going to have a Tank Bigsby conversation in just a second. Rasheed Rice will be on the next page. Dave, I I did not like Rasheed Rice very much as a prospect. I have moved him up. He was at the end of round three for me before he landed in Kansas City. Um, And I think it's positive that he's done a couple of good things in camp. But I don't really expect anything good this year. And I wasn't a big fan of him before the Chiefs drafted him. And it's not as if the Chiefs' history drafting wide receivers gives me very much confidence. But before we get to him, because we will, he, he will be on the next page. Josh Downs. Jaz, Jasmine's been asking me about my 2023 projection for him because she thinks I've got him way too high. It's 52 catches, 645 yards, three or four touchdowns for Downs this year. Not not too high. I do think there's a sneaky chance, though, that he could eventually be the wide receiver one for the Colts. He could. Um, I don't think it's happening this year. He's he's going to end up being their slot receiver. When when Anthony Richardson gets his act together together as a thrower, 
or when Gardner Minshew starts or when the Colts find a quarterback that can throw with pinpoint accuracy, that's when I would get very excited about downs. I do not have him ranked as high as you do. I've got him. And remember, my rankings are one QB. He's 28th. So he's behind. He's behind, you know, three quarterbacks already in my one QB ranks. Of course, he's going to be behind four in super flex rankings. Would rather have Dell. Would rather have Jalen Hyatt. Of course, I'd rather have Rasheed Rice, Heath. What do you mean? Um, of course, you'd rather have Rasheed Rice. I, I, we just, I think we view Rasheed Rice very differently. Okay. Well, I, I know that one person I view very differently from Dan is Tank Bigsby. So I'm going to give Dan a chance to talk about why Tank Bigsby should have been on the first page as a, <laughs> as a, as a round one. No. But no, I, 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 I seriously, I, what I talked about was I, I'm really not that excited about running backs who, are not starters this year. I don't believe Travis Etienne's going anywhere. I think Bigsby's going to be the between the tackles guy. His his upside the next couple of years is like a Jamal Williams type season where he scores a bunch of touchdowns. I don't think that's particularly likely when you have Trevor Lawrence. I think Etienne's probably on Jacksonville for the next three seasons because I would expect being one of Trevor Lawrence's best friends that he gets the fifth year option. Do you think Tank Bigsby could become the starter on this Jacksonville offense and take Travis Etienne's job, Dan? I do, honestly. I think, and starter is probably not the right word. I think he can earn a role that puts him in a timeshare with Travis Etienne potentially, not as early as this season. And I think part of it with Bigsby is I really liked his tape coming out. This was even before he landed in a spot that I love for him, Jacksonville. I'll explain that in a second. But one of the reasons I really liked watching Bigsby at Auburn was number one, by far that stop and start ability. He has a really good ability to kind of, and, and, you know, some people term it as bursts, fine, whatever you want to call it, but that ability to go from zero to 60. And he combines that with a really low center of gravity and really low pad level. Where does that help him? Sure. In between the twenties and he does break off some, you know, chunk plays of the 15 range, but it really helps him in the red zone. He was an efficient red zone runner at Auburn. He's going to be an efficient red zone runner in the NFL. Travis Etienne is the total opposite of efficient red zone runner. So to me, the red zone role is going to happen as early as this season. Maybe as early as week four, five, six. As far as the passing down role goes, we keep hearing Travis Etienne doing a lot of good things in camp as a receiver. Bigsby did some good things as a receiver. He's a little bit raw in that regard, but I know he's going to be a better pass protector than Travis Etienne. And ultimately, I know that how Doug Peterson is running that offense. He's not really looking to get the ball targeted to the running backs a lot. Not when he has Calvin Ridley, Zay Jones, (laughs) Christian Kirk, and Evan Ingram in the passing game. And an actual passer in Trevor Lawrence, one of the maybe four or five handful of them in the NFL who are willing and aggressive to throw hole shots over and over again and target the intermediate and vertical range of the field, despite maybe the coverage not showing that that's going to be an easy throw. So I just don't see upside for keeping ETN long-term for the Jags. You're right. He's probably going to be there through the fifth-year option. It doesn't make much sense not to pick up the fifth-year option unless he gets injured again, though, Heath. And he's had some injuries, including a foot injury that you know can be reoccurring. With Frank, it's not something you want. It's something that's really not only reoccurring, but if it is, but also debilitating. And sometimes players try to play through it. We saw Najee Harris not be 100% trying to play through it. We've seen a lot of players really see a sap in their production with that type of injury. I'm not saying that will happen again, but all I'm saying is he's a smaller back and, and he, he's more injury prone, I think, than some of these other backs. So I don't love ETN long term. And obviously, you know how I feel about Big Space. So that's kind of my spiel there. Right. Yeah. I just I just worry if the idea is Travis Etienne is likely to be on the team for the next three years. I would what? say two for sure. The fifth year option right. isn't guaranteed because it's expensive. Right. It, it is expensive. That, that's true. And maybe, of course, by the time we get to 
two years from now, it's probably going to be like 50 cents because no running backs are making any money. So the fifth year option will go way down for running backs as well. Let's take a short break and then we will get to uh, 25 through 36 in the rankings. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Rise and shine, football fans. This is Susanna Fuller from Morning Footy, a podcast part of the CBS Sports Galazzo Network covering the breadth of the global game. Join me, Nico Cantor, Charlie Davies, Alexis Guerreros, and guests every morning for the perfect blend of news, analysis, conversation, and exclusive interviews. If you love soccer, then look no further. We've got you covered for Europe's top five leagues, the W Gold Cup, the Champions League Knockout Stage, CONCACAF Nations League, NWSL, MLS, Transfer News, and much more. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found. Subscribe to Morning Footy. We are back. We're getting ready to go over rookies 25 through 36 i just wanted to tell everybody 37 through 50 are available in the site we are looking here at the superflex rankings but i have actually rankings for ppr non-ppr superflex and tight end premium so whatever your format is if you're wanting to look at rookie rankings go to cbssports.com you will find my fully updated rookie rankings and more than we are going to talk about here because we will stop at pick 36 25 through 36, Hinton Hooker, another guy who really difficult for me to rank in Superflex. It's easy for me to just forget about him in a one-quarterback league. But if he has a chance to become a starter, he has some value. So he's the first pick for me. Then Israel Abanacanda, probably the biggest faller for me since my May rankings. Rasheed Rice, Sam Laporta, Michael Mayer, those two are just linked wherever I rank one of them. The other one will be ranked right after him until we see some reason to do otherwise. Zach Evans, Chase Brown, Deuce Vaughn, Eric Gray, Sean Tucker, and Cedric Tillman. That's 25 through 36. Hendon Hooker, Israel of Anaconda. I probably said that wrong. Dave will correct me. Rasheed Rice, Sam Laporta, Michael Mayer. Zach Evans, Chase Brown, Deuce Vaughn, Eric Gray, Sean Tucker, Cedric Tillman. Dave, am I overreacting to what has not been a great start to camp for Israel Abinakana and the potential Dalvin Cook signing? I think you have him ranked too high. I <laughs> don't go. like his potential of being um, – I don't, I don't know if he's going to have a long career. I think he's NFL ready now. He just ended up on a team that isn't going to be conducive to him getting on the field a lot especially if they're looking at Dalvin Cook. Uh, who knows if they'll look at any other running backs. That's not a good sign. And I liked a band of candidate pit. I really did. And I, I thought if he landed in the right spot, he'd be great. Now I'm wondering if he's got to sit and toil in New York for three years and then either get cut or get traded. Okay. And he lands on another team where he can actually be helpful. This is the type of player that I'm going to let somebody else in my dynasty league take. And then 18 months from now, I might be able to get him for a song and he ends up being helpful for a half season or one full season down the line. Two things about, and Dan, I'll, I'll let you talk about this. I actually, especially with the Delvin cook flirtation and Nathaniel Hackett's history do not think certainly not this year 
Brees Hall is going to be a 300 carry back. I don't know that Brees Hall is going to be a 300 carry back as long as Hackett's there. Hackett's history right. would tell you he might not be there next year. But <laughs> I, I think this is more of an Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon type situation. And my hope was that Abana Kanda is a better runner than Michael Carter or Zonovan Knight and ends up in that 10 to 12 carry role until something happens to Brees Hall. The other reason that he was ranked so high before is I put a pretty big weight on age. We were joking about Dalton Kincaid. Israel Abanacan is not old enough to drink beer right now, not legally. Hmm. Yeah, you're definitely getting a younger back there with Israel Abanacan. I think a big point that you brought up on this podcast, Heath, and something really interesting that I've just been thinking about since you brought it up and we've discussed it throughout is really factor in and look for the path for these guys. Like, where is the path to playing time? Because at this position, more than any other, you don't really have the longest shelf life. If you don't hit early and you don't make that impact early to get move up a depth chart and start to see touches, you're probably not going to, at least with that team. And then by that point, you hit free agency, you're 24, 25. There are a few examples, like Samaje Piran is somebody who did a really good job of somehow finding relevancy later in his career after initially, quote unquote, busting as a prospect, but it doesn't happen often. And so you bring it up with a Benacanda, yeah, you get the age break, but I am definitely concerned with what Dave was talking about, where there's just not much of a path at least toward early playing time, especially if they do bring in Dalvin Cook. Okay, Dave, I'm going to give you a chance now to sell me on Rasheed Rice because he was, believe it or not, at pick 27 in a super flex draft. He is a riser and one of the bigger risers since May for me. So I, I have opened my mind a little bit to the possibility of Rasheed Rice. But what what do you love about this guy? And you are not allowed to say Patrick Mahomes. Well, but I mean, you've got to consider that that's going to be part of the puzzle. The fact that he's he's not catching passes from Anthony Richardson. Right. He's got he's probably Patrick passing. freaking Mahomes throwing him lobs. Who's the backup? Uh, what's up? Who's the backup for the Chiefs? Uh, Blaine Gabbard. I think. Yeah, I think he'll mostly catch passes from Blaine Gabbard. <laughs> right. Yeah, oh, listen, the, I'm, not, I'm not into Rasheed Rice making an impact this year. So, yes, this year he's going to catch a lot of passes from Blonde Gibber as I like to call him. But I, I think he's a perimeter receiver who's shown that he has a nose for the end zone over his career. I think he plays he's, – he's already good size. I think he plays bigger than that, which sounds a little funny. Um, good contact balance, good quick feet. Um, he's not a burner, so it might, might look a little bit like George Pickens did in his rookie year, and he needs improvement on his route technique. He can get coached that. I, I like that he's getting some buzz early on in training camp. I don't think it's going to matter. I don't think he should be drafted with any type of decent pick in redraft. But I think he belongs in the conversation of a top 20 pick in a rookie-only draft. I think he absolutely does because he does have potential with Patrick Mahomes in this offense as an outside guy starting in 2024. Okay, Dan, Sam Laporta versus Michael Mayer. Am I right to just leave these guys back-to-back one – whichever one you want in front. I've picked Laporta because I think he could have an impact this year, and I don't expect that Michael Mayer will. But it, like the, they're both just kind of we're hoping they become low-end tight end starters at some point in the future, right? 
I have a little bit more hope for both of those players. This for me was a pretty historic uh, tight end class as far as my evaluation goes on film. I thought both these players were great on film. I actually thought Mayer was even better on tape, but part of that was the blocking. But as far as the receiving goes and the upside, uh, obviously what we care, which is what we care about in fantasy football, I'm fine ranking them back to back as well. Heath, I may have them a tick or two higher. That's about it. I like that Mayer joined Josh McDaniel for as long as McDaniel will be there. I don't know, but I do like the fact that the owner there is very cheap and doesn't really want to move on from a coach and have to pay that coach contract while paying another coach contract. I actually don't even know if cheap is the right word. I think he's just like not cash fluid at this time. Like there's no actual assets outside of the team. So I think Mayer will be there. I think McDaniel will be there, I should say, for a while, which helps Mayer a lot. Laporta, I love Ben Johnson as an offensive coordinator, maybe the best in the NFL, in my opinion, right now, if not top three. And so I think you're right. He'll work in a role for him early. Long term, I probably have Mayer one spot, uh, one spot ahead of Laporta, but I do like the back to back there. Dave, these running backs I've got in round three here, Abana Kanda, Evans, Chase Brown, Deuce Vaughn, Eric Gray, Sean Tucker. Any any hope for any of these guys, actually? I love Tucker's game from Syracuse. I'm not phased that he went undrafted. He had a medical issue. That's been cleared up. It would not surprise me if he took over for Rashad White at some point this year in Tampa Bay's run game. I think he's he, he's certainly more explosive than Rashad White. I think he can get there. I'm really, really bullish on Sean Tucker. Uh, Even traded a future pick in our dynasty draft just to get him on my team. He's going to sit on my practice squad this year. Um, But I'm, I'm very excited about his talent. Everybody else except for Chase Brown really doesn't move the needle for me. Brown only because he's in Cincinnati. We don't think that Joe Mixon's got a long-term future there. This could be his last year there. If the Bengals decide, you know, we don't need to spend big capital on a running back, we'll just go with Chase Brown, they could do that, and he could be their rundowns back next year. It could be a situation that plays out. But I don't really feel it for a Banacanda as much as I love the talent. Uh, Gray, Deuce Vaughn, um, Zach Evans, all those guys don't feel it. it. Every time I see a Deuce Vaughn training camp highlight, I get I get a little bit more excited. I think everybody's making too big a deal out of the size. I think the Cowboys are going to have something for Deuce Vaughn to do this season. I completely agree. I'm higher on Vaughn than than it sounds like some people are. You know, like some of the consensus is because I haven't seen him move too much further up the rankings. I think I'll say one thing about the the, the whole size thing with Vaughn because we see it obviously in these clips. It looks crazy. If you ask some people. Myself included, I think it actually helps him and works to his benefit that he, he hides. He hides behind the blockers. <laughs> he keeps a low center of gravity through the contact point. He keeps his pad level low, and it's and that also helps him as far as breaking tackles and shifting and, and you know shifting his weight and getting out of tackles. It's worked in the past for running backs, not to this degree at five foot four, obviously, but some of the best running backs have been in that five six to five eight range, and it does actually, in my opinion, it's the one position where height I don't think matters. I think it sometimes can even help you to be lower. Another one of those examples is center in the NFL, not for fantasy, but just in general. NFL where actually height doesn't always work in your favor and I think running back is one of them so I don't use the height to knock him more so I'm worried about like at that size total weight included can he actually like hold up at the NFL level that would be a bigger concern for me yeah I I certainly don't think he's ever going to see 200 touches in a season but I do think he could be a a, a really fun guy in the passing game and, and maybe a best ball specialist for those of you going 20 22 rounds 
in, in best bowl leagues. You don't know when it happens, but it does. I, we, we are out of time, but I want to give each of you a chance because I asked you to throw me the names that I should have had in my top 36 that I did not. Dan, you've got a list. Dave, if you've got somebody Dan doesn't say, go ahead. I'll just do a couple quick notes on each. I'm going to go with Tyler Scott, wide receiver, Chicago. All seven of his touchdowns over the last two seasons at Cincinnati, where he played college ball, 20-plus yards, explosive player. Charlie Jones, maybe the opposite of that, not explosive, but a really, really crafty route runner. He was drafted by the Bengals. I could totally see him being the next um, – why am I blanking on it? Tyler Boyd. Tyler Boyd. I think Tyler Scott. Tyler Boyd, but actually better. I like him better in the vertical game. And then one final one that we haven't mentioned is Dwayne McBride, who was drafted to the Vikings. Probably the best fit for a one-cut system, but I do like him still in a zone-based blocking scheme with the Vikings. Really, really fun film there at UAB. No pass catching upside right now. Not a blocker in the passing game. Not going to play right away, I don't think at all, but long-term. I did see a video of him catching a pass at practice, which I think matched his college total. Dave, <laughs> you have anybody that Dan didn't say? My highest ranked player who you don't even have in your top 36 is Puka Nakua. Okay. And he's out in L.A. with the Rams. Sounds like he has a chance to fight for playing time as a rookie. We know that he's had to overcome injuries before, but he's a tough athletic kid. He's got good size. Kind of reminds me a little bit of like a low rent version of Cooper Cup because he can move fairly well for a guy his size. Those guys, I believe all of them, are ranked between 37 and 50, as well as guys like Xavier Hutchison, Parker Washington, uh, Darnell Washington as well. Go to the site, check out the rankings, and we will talk to you next Tuesday. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> 9 over 8. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.